You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Welcome back. It's episode 10 of Grow Yourself Up. And in this episode, we're going to talk a bit about maintaining relationships when we have young children. So the topic of maintaining and nourishing our love relationships when we have young children is really complex and layered for many of us. And there are many different um, contributing factors. So this is actually a question from a listener. They talked about how the stress of the pandemic personal stresses around grief and having three young children have impacted their relationship and that um, they don't have that much tolerance for their love relationship. And that makes a lot of sense because relationships require effort. And when you're parenting three young children, that's very, very, very taxing. So let's break this down. And um, I'm going to give you some suggestions on what to focus on and then a few tips. And I think this will be spread out um, over a couple of episodes. So I think one thing that really helps is setting the context initially. So let's be really honest about the impact of having um, young children in a relationship. Previously, um, before having children, if you're in a relationship, all your time could be focused on each other. You might have spent time um, seeing other friends and doing other socializing or going to your own exercise classes or running or however you like to spend your leisure time and doing your work, but all of your leisure time could be dedicated to each other. And children interrupt that in a kind of spectacular way because you suddenly have no more leisure time, essentially. So really acknowledging that to each other. And I know this sounds really obvious, but um, actually acknowledging, wow, we used to have time together that was completely unencumbered by anything else. And now um, not only do we no longer have that time, but we also have relentless demands that are 24 seven and we're sleep deprived because framing it like that, you can really see that it is hard and that it's not, you know, you haven't created something yourself. It's, it, it's just a very difficult situation. Early parenthood is one of the most challenging times of life. Often, um, so often if you're in a, if you're in a partnership, one person is probably doing, um, more of the childcare and not working. So, um, money might be pouring out because of all the, the stuff you're spending on your baby. 
and perhaps um, you may only have one salary at that point. There's a lack of sleep, inconsistent sleep, patchy sleep. You may have um, a baby who's got um, uh, high sensitivity or high needs and often any other complexities with kids apart from just the standard stuff of raising a baby and raising our children. It feels like it might break everything because of, um, you know, there's so much pressure. And often, even if people say this to you before you get married, that it's going to be hard, it's, it's difficult to actually understand on, on an embodied level how hard it actually is. I remember thinking, I'm going to use my psychotherapy skills to make sure that my relationship is not impacted. And I'm going to kind of outmaneuver all of this. And, um, I didn't manage to do that in my relationships. I'm married. We've also fallen into the trap of fighting about childcare, fighting about access to rest. And I, I think this is something that's kind of almost inescapable. I remember in 2020 and early 2021 feeling particularly pressured on this, feeling quite trapped because of what was going on with the pandemic. I actually felt, and, and this almost feels, um, I'm going to be really honest with you, but I felt like being divorced would be an attractive option because then at least I would have time alone. I might have a, a weekend every, you know, two weeks alone. Um, and one of the things that really helped, um, both of us actually is getting really clear on why we got married and then checking in about, do we still want this? So I did this exercise. I really checked in with my values about what was I hoping for from my relationship, from my marriage. Um, was that realistic? And did I still, did I want a parent in a partnership? Did I want this to continue? And for me, the answer was unequivocally yes. I love the companionship. I really love my husband. I really want to be with him. And I'm committed to making that partnership work and to living alongside him and co-parenting. And so I really stepped into being um, much kinder, actually, and more gentle and more validating because some of the stuff that I was bringing um, in terms of my own frustrations was not kind of being that productive. So really, you know, you don't have to necessarily do this exercise together, but really think to yourself, why am I in this relationship? Do I still want to be here? Let me get clear about what it's offering me and that it takes work. One of the things that can be really useful to to um, to kind of determine is what is the structure of your relationship in terms of how does the caregiving flow? Is it is it quite equal in terms of the emotional support you provide each other? Do you both do um, things in the house? Do you both take responsibility for certain aspects of running the house? In terms of um, is there a dynamic of any people pleasing or one person does all the emotional caregiving? Um, because if we've grown up in a, in a particular role in our families, if, if we people pleased all the time or if we need to get things perfect, we may go into a relationship and um, take on board a lot of responsibility for things that are not ours. And if that is a dynamic in your relationship, then children will bring that into stock relief. And you may struggle with some of the ways that you have previously been available in your relationship, which you can no longer do because you've now got children. And that's a, a kind of a deeper issue around um, how you're turning up, for example, in terms of meeting your needs. Prior to having children, did you each have the space to acknowledge and meet your needs? Do you both um, support each other in the meeting of the needs or does one partner consistently abandon themselves um, while the other person gets their needs met? Because that might be a more structural issue that that needs to be um, 
addressed, which was actually an issue beforehand, but the, having the children really highlighted it. Another thing that's really useful is to give each other space and breaks. Now, this may sound absolutely impossible when you're parenting young children, especially um, if someone is away a lot of the time or works, um, you know, long distance far away on a long-term basis, or if you're both working full-time, it can feel um, quite impossible. And I suggest that you get really creative about this and look at a really granular level within the structure of your day, within the routine that your children have. How can you give each other space and breaks? Because that's, it's rejuvenating for us to have our own alone time and to just do what we would like to do, read a book or watch something on TV or phone a friend or go for a walk or go for a run. Because helping, you know, connecting us, us having time to connect to ourselves makes it much more likely that we're going to be able to connect to our partner. So in my house, this looks like often splitting bed and bath. So my husband might do bath time, assuming he's here, and then I will do bedtime. So because our bedtime can be quite protracted sometimes still. Um, and so I can be downstairs, um, and Sometimes I might watch, I, I recently did, I watched a bit of Grey's Anatomy and that for me felt very joyful. And then I would go and do bedtime. Um, and then he would come downstairs and, and have some time to relax. Um, on the weekends, sometimes we actually kind of divide up the day. So, um, I like sleeping late. Um, that for me is, feels like a great luxury. And then my husband can have a break in the afternoon. So, um, he might do most of the morning and then we all spend time together over lunch and um, have lunch together. And then he would go for a break in the afternoon. So sometimes that means that we don't see each other that much during the day on the weekend, but it feels um, joyful and nourishing and necessary to have that space away from everyone. On a Sunday night, often I have a break from bed and bath entirely. And my husband does that. So really look at where, you know, it might be that your partner does breakfast for your kids and you have a lovely bath or you go for a run or you do some yoga or you just lie on your bed. You know, what, where can you find space so that you can give each other breaks? This whole business of breaks and support is extremely complex if you um, are kind of isolated in your nuclear family unit. And I really want to acknowledge that the ways in which we've moved away from our families, which in which like extended um, family networks have broken down and many of us live in a country that's different to our to where we were born. And many of us may be actually estranged from our families. So that means that you operate in a, um, you know, in a very isolated setting and that makes it really difficult. We, um, I grew up in South Africa. My husband is French. My parents are, are dead. I think I probably moved here to get away from the sort of trauma of my family anyway. So I live in London now. Um, but so we are in a quite a, um, an isolated setting or an isolated sort of situation. And I find that really, really hard sometimes. And, um, I have a lot of grief around that actually. So kind of really acknowledge your setting and acknowledge that some of the things that have happened in your life or some of the, um, you know, if you are estranged from, from your family, the consequences of that mean that they're not there to help you with your children. And so all the care that you have, the web of support around childcare, you probably have to pay for. And I think speaking on or speaking about and reflecting on these experiences in your relationship as a couple, um, 
can be really helpful because you can give each other support for that. You can acknowledge, yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard for us because we don't have um, a granny down the road or um, a, a grandparent who fetches our children um, three times a week. Um, and, and, and sort of hold that between you so that you can have space for the feelings around that. There's a lot of discussion about something called the mental load, which is the mental gymnastics you need to do around um, raising children in terms of keeping all the things in your head, like buying their shoes, buying their clothes. Do we have enough food for them? Um, have they been to the dentist? Have I bought a present for that birthday party? Do I need to schedule an, uh, an appointment with the occupational therapist? Do they need speech and language therapy? You know, keeping up with the business of having children, it's, it's very, um, many, many tasks associated with that. And I'm noticed in my head, I'm constantly running a mental list. Can you share that with your partner? Um, can you split some of that responsibility? So, um, in my house, I get my husband to order the shoes for my children. And we've had to engage with a lot of different professionals along the way. And I got him to take them to some of the appointments because I could not do it all myself. So I think it's really important to be united in, um, in your aims and also working towards them together. And, um, I work in a much more flexible way than my husband does. So when he goes to these appointments, he has to take some time off, but, um, that still feels really, really important. So it feels important for me to have the support and to acknowledge I can't do it all by myself and I'm not, I can't kind of, um, overexert myself and overwork myself to try and prove that I can do it all myself because I can't. We're allowed to ask for help. The other thing that is, um, really kind of energetically taxing raising children is the emotional labor of being present for their feelings. Now, often one parent does the bulk of that because typically one parent is the primary caregiver at home, whether that be the mom or the dad, um, or one of the moms, or maybe you have a grandparent who does that. But the emotional laboring is very, very intense. And typically we do see with children, and often this is research actually shows that often children favor the mother, um, regardless of whether the, the um, who is the primary caregiver at home. And they're not really sure about why that is, but they think it might be to do with the fact that um, the child has been um, kind of in the mother's body um, for the whole time of the pregnancy. So whoever's doing this bulk of this emotional labor, it's very tiring that. And can you share some of that, you know, while acknowledging that one of you may be the safe place more than the other. And so they may tend to come to you more for that, but you can also, um, so I kind of have coached my husband and how to do this and how to be kind of emotionally present for them. And when I'm having a break or when he's kind of doing it, I have to let him do the emotional coaching in his way. It can be very tempting to want to sort of swoop in and kind of get them to do it your way. And we, we broadly have the same, um, parenting aims and ideals. So we're on the same page about that, but still he's, he operates in a different way to me. And I have to really honor that and let him do that. As I reflect on some of the things I've said here, a lot of it is, is doing stuff and trying to, um, share things out. And I really want to reiterate what I said about that at the beginning about the context of how hard this is, um, parenting young children. So, and I really think it's important to kind of Allow yourself to express that. Allow yourself to have all your feelings around that and ultimately to come to a place of acceptance around that. Because when we're constantly fighting against what is, you know, what our reality is, it's very, that, that kind of 
makes it more energetically costly. And so sometimes just acknowledging to each other, yeah, we're in a really hard season. That, that alone can feel kind of bonding. Another thing that's really important, which can sometimes be very difficult to arrange logistically, is actually making time for connection. So I think there's different ways to connect. I think it's important to separate out business matters of the family from spending leisure time together. So something that can be really useful that is a tool that we sometimes use in couples therapy is having a business meeting um, together once a week. You can, you can schedule that. That can be a very short, kind of half an hour um, when your kids are in bed where you can reflect on um, often a suggested format is, is having um, something nice to say to each other. This, you know, something about this is really something that I've appreciated about you this week and to talk about some of the, um, how you share the load, um, some of the practical matters of living together, maybe the shopping or the bills or something about your children. And then if you've got any grievances, you can also say one thing that's, that's, um, troubled you and containing it from both a time and a um, content point of view can make it more manageable to have conflict in a way that's constructive. In terms of leisure time, I think making time to get away together is really important. It may not be possible to sleep overnight away from your family, particularly if you don't have anyone who can look after your children. But sometimes going away for a day or, you know, five hours away where you have a lovely lunch and you get time to hold hands and walk in a park can be really, really lovely. Um, if you like hiking or if you like playing tennis or if you like swimming, if you always used to swim together, doing something like that where you can get a babysitter or a family member or a friend to look after your children for a period of time um, so that you can just reconnect. You know, even if you spend all the time talking about your family, reconnecting with each other and seeing that individual person who you chose to be in a relationship with just so that you can reconnect with with aspects of them that you really love. I think that can be really important. And it's often not possible until your children are really a lot older. So I think we first did that when my girls were three. We went away for one night. We had someone we know really well who we paid to look after our children, who has looked after them. Um, and we really trusted her. And that was really, really, really lovely to go and do that. So if you can you know, try and if you can afford that, if you have someone who can look after your children, 24 hours away can be very, very restorative. And otherwise, a lunch out, we've had really lovely lunches where things have, you know, we felt a lot more connected afterwards. And lastly, there's a lot of um, discussion about something called love languages. So I'm not going to specifically go into that now, but I know that I love to talk. I could talk, I could come downstairs from a really difficult bedtime and then still talk about, um, the, the life I'd like to manifest or all my dreams and my hopes. For my husband, it's totally different. He cannot do that. If he's had like a really tricky bath time and bedtime with our girls, he does not want to do that. He wants to zone out. He wants to sit on the sofa and he wants to like watch something on the TV. And so for him, he really needs to be in a, in a, in a, in an environment that's conducive to having those type of conversations. So I've really had to learn that his, um, what I perceive sometimes as detachment is not about me. It's about the way he processes through things. And I've had to respect that I can't just go downstairs and like talk at him and, and get that connection that I want. 
he has had to learn that sometimes he does need to do that, that sometimes he does need to be at the contact boundary and available for talking, even if that feels hard for him. And we've kind of gone into great detail about how this makes both of us feel. I have had to learn that sometimes when he needs alone time, he needs alone time without talking. And actually, I can still be in the space and we can do something together alongside each other, but we're just not going to have a lot of conversations. He shows love by doing um, a lot of actions, whereas I show love by with verbal expression. So notice those differences within your relationship and, 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 um, you know, reflect on them, dialogue about them, reflect on how they might make you feel and what assumptions you're making on the back of that, because it's easy to make tons and tons of assumptions, um, about they're doing this and, because, you know, they don't want to talk to me or, you know, we can layer on so much of our own stories, which are related to our callings from childhood and, and bringing that into our adult love relationship does our relationship no favors. So there's a lot more to say about this. Um, I'm going to cover more about this in another episode. Um, but I want to encourage you that you can be really open, gentle, loving and kind to each other even through the difficulties, because when you can find that kindness for each other and acknowledge that each of you may be having a hard time and that perhaps parenthood has infected you in different ways and all the things that it brings up for you, then there's there's that bridge of vulnerability between you where you can connect. Um, and this takes a lot of practice as well. If you're in a stage of having a lot of fights, Notice what the triggers are for those fights. Be really honest with yourself about what you're bringing into any conflict and fights. Maybe where you may be trying to get unmet needs from childhood met. And we'll continue this conversation. I'd love to hear your reflections on this episode. Please feel free to email me at kath at psychotherapymum.com. Um, and let me know if this is helpful and if you'd like more of this, um, the specific stuff around relationships, because maintaining our adult love relationships in the context of um, children is, I think, one of the biggest challenges actually of parenthood alongside the challenge of raising children. So, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Um, as usual, there will be journal questions. You can sign up for those at the psychotherapy, um, mum website. Um, or you can go to Instagram and go via the link in the bio and my bio. Um, and I'm wishing you all a peaceful week, a week where you can be kind to each other in your relationship and perhaps find your way back to each other if you've been apart. Okay. Sending love and light. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.